0: All right, let's look at our scripture, uh, which is all about thankfulness, Uh, very appropriate in this uh, Thanksgiving season. This is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all else, above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving service, uh, Thanksgiving time, Thanksgiving day of uh, fellowship and food. And uh, Thanksgiving is a wonderful, wonderful holiday, a great time to be thankful. You know, thankfulness is a very important practice. I don't know if it's an emotion or not, but uh, it's a very important practice. And I'm glad, you know, our country was the first to inaugurate a day of Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, almost from the beginning, George Washington and on, the, the presidents, uh, you know, invoked days of Thanksgiving. But it's President Lincoln who actually made it a permanent holiday. And that was due to the efforts of uh, a woman, Shara, uh, Sarah Josepha Hale, Bef- behind every good idea, there is a woman, Uh, and this woman lobbied for 30 years uh, for Thanksgiving to become a national holiday, and uh, Lincoln listened, and that's why we have Thanksgiving. You know, the world acknowledges the importance of gratefulness. All the way back to uh, Cicero, Uh, he has this quote that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others all these other virtues that we have, they stem and flow from a thankful and gracious heart. This is Oprah Winfrey, a modern prophet. Be thankful for what you have, and you'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. That's true, isn't it? We've all experienced when we have grateful and thankful hearts and how that colors and changes the way we see everything around us, the people around us. Gratitude expands our capacity to feel joy and infuses a deeper dimension into our being. It's no wonder that the Bible has much to say about thankfulness. The word is used 195 times in the Bible, but the concept is used countlessly in the scriptures. Indeed, one of the chief offenses that God has against man is though he knew God, he neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him for all of the goodness uh, that God uh, has done for him. Paul uses this concept 40 times in the epistles, seven times in this book of Colossians uh, from which I'm preaching. And Jesus constantly is giving thanks to his father for the simplest of things. But what exactly is Thankfulness Thankfulness in the Greek is comprised of two words. The first is charizomai, from where we get the word grace. And the second is homologeo, which means to acknowledge. And so thanksgiving is to acknowledge grace. When somebody does something for you that is kind, out of the goodness of their heart, because they wanted to, they didn't have to. To acknowledge this gracious act is to be thankful. And so it is with God to acknowledge His grace. The gospel itself is the gracious act of God that God has come to His people and given us the gift of new life in the gospel of Jesus Christ that He has rescued us from death And brought us into life. That he looks on us not as our sins deserve, with wrath, but rather he looks on us with love and care, justifying us. And as such, every single aspect of our lives for the Christian has some aspect of God's grace in it, even when we can't see it. And so to acknowledge his grace is thanksgiving. The message that Paul is giving in this passage, and that is the central point of my sermon, is simply this. That because God's grace overabounds to us in every aspect of our lives, let us learn to acknowledge his grace in every aspect of our lives. God has given us this grace in three particular areas that I want to talk about. Number one, he's given us a community of thanksgiving. He's given us a community of thanksgiving. Number two, he's given us a foundation for thanksgiving. And then finally, number three, he leads us into a life of thanksgiving. Let's look at the first part, that God has given us a community of thanksgiving. Notice how Paul begins in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, a key word there is then. Put on then. Whenever you see then, you have to look behind or before uh, this particular verse because the grounds for that then is what happened before. And even though it's not in your passage What Paul has just spoken of is that that we have put off our old self with our practices and we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, what has happened to us is that the old us, the unredeemed us, the evil us, God has taken and he has forgiven and he has transformed And he has made us into a new creation. He has given us the capacity to love and to be thankful and to be content. And because he has made us into a new creation, we must put on then that which God has made us to be. This image is that of of clothes, if you will. Indeed, we see in verse 10 that we've taken off the old self with its practices and we have put on this new self and this new self that we are is created to uh, be in the likeness of Jesus Christ. See, that's why we're able to put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience because we are a new creation. And so God is calling each one of us to be this to one another in this community. To be compassionate to one another. This word compassion literally means with suffering. Meaning to come alongside other people and to share their pain and their burdens and walk through this life together. To be compassionate to one another and to be kind to one another. The word kind literally translated means to be useful to one another doesn't mean simply to pay lip service to someone else, but actually to engage and enter into their world and to fill the needs and the gaps and the emptiness, to be kind to one another, to be humble with one another, not always having to have our own way, not always having to be the center of the conversation, but able to listen and able to put other people above ourselves, able to be patient with one another. Patience means long-suffering. It means that we're able to put up and bear with one another's foibles and flaws and sins and shortcomings, which we all have, by the way. Bearing with one another, verse 13, and if one has a complaint against each other, Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. See, we're called into this community of thanksgiving called the church. And in this church, it's a group of imperfect people coming together, and we will have complaints against one another, right? We will feel mistreated sometimes and misunderstood But because of this grace of Jesus Christ, we're able to bear with one another and to forgive one another and to be forgiven. I do want to make a caveat here because some people have used a verse like this to sanction evil things that have been done. And thus pointing to scriptures like this saying you must forgive me. Forgiveness does not mean that there are not consequences for one's action, right? But our ability and capacity to forgive one another, even though there may be consequences, comes from Jesus Christ and his grace. As the Lord forgives, we can also forgive because we are a new creation in Christ. Verse 14, and above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together, in perfect perfect harmony. There's a great verse that says, love covers over a multitude of sins. There are plenty of times, my friend, when I and you are not gonna have compassionate hearts, not gonna be kind, not gonna be humble, not gonna be patient, not gonna get it right. But we can love. We can come back and we can say, I messed up, I'm sorry. I love you, and I care for you. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Notice at the end, it says, and be thankful. It's almost like it's tacked on, you know? Kind of like when your mom tells you four or five different things to do, and at the very end says, oh, and be thankful. That's not what's going on here but the question is it doesn't really say to be thankful for what but the context is obvious of what to be thankful right for based on what he's been talking about what he's been talking about shows us that we are to be thankful for each other we are to be thankful for the church which is his body which is comprised of you and me, this body that Christ died to bring into existence. The church is the, a manifestation, albeit an imperfect one, of the kingdom that is coming, and it is to be used to demonstrate the kingdom of God and how it functions in opposition of the world. It's a kingdom of compassion. Instead of cruelty. A kingdom of kindness. A kingdom of love and forgiveness. And if you are a follower of Christ, you are automatically included in it. See, we are called to unconditionally love one another. Irregardless of race, color, creed, income level we are called to be for one another and to be thankful for one another. See, the church is an incubator, a warm-up for heaven, in which we learn to be thankful and we learn to receive and display his grace toward one another in tangible ways. You know, it's been said, don't join a perfect church Because you'll ruin it but the truth of the matter is the reason the church is perfect is precisely because it is for imperfect people to be loved and forgiven it's Jesus who joined us to this perfect church and he calls us to participate in it and to be thankful when was the last time that you thanked God For this church. When was the last time you thanked God for the people in this church? See, we have a role to play in each other's lives of showing grace, demonstrating grace, and receiving grace. God has brought each one of you here for a reason. And he calls us to put on, by his grace, compassionate hearts, kindness toward one another, humility toward one another, meekness and patience. It's easy to forget to be thankful for what we have as a community. It's easy to look and see all that is wrong with this building, with this body, with this pastor, For all that we don't have. But we have each other. We have those who are in our corner. And we are in this together. And because God's grace overabounds to us in every aspect of our life, including this church, let us learn to acknowledge his grace in this area. This brings me to my second point. We've been given a community of thanksgiving And we've also been given a foundation for thanksgiving. How are we to really do all of this, Carlos? How are we to be compassionate and kind and humble and meek when we really sometimes don't feel like doing that at all and certainly don't think that that person is deserving of that? The answer is the foundation of thanksgiving. Notice what Paul says here. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In other words, this is the foundation. This is why we're able to do this, why we're able to show love and grace to other people who may not deserve it is because to God we are the chosen ones, holy and beloved. That God has done this very thing to us, through Jesus Christ. Think about these words, that you are chosen ones. We all know what it feels like to be chosen, right? Remember that time when you're on the waiting uh, and they're picking people for kickball? Don't pick me last, right? Or when you've been asked to the dance? Or your friends call you up and want you to join in to be chosen, to be regarded as special is something wonderful. But God has taken that to the nth degree. I don't know if you've seen the, the series called The Chosen, right? And in one sense, the series is about Jesus Christ. He is the chosen one. And that word chosen actually means uh, a Christ or Messiah. It means the anointed one. It's like when somebody comes and and reaches out their hand and grabs you, touches you and says, you are chosen. But you see, the reason Christ was chosen was because he was the one who was chosen to be the agent of grace so that God could choose us. That we are the chosen ones if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. He has chosen you. And has the same regard and love for you as he does for his son. He's chosen you and he's made you holy. The word holy means set apart. God has set you apart for himself. We do this with certain things, right? Valuable things. We set them apart from other things so that they will be distinguished from these other things. This is my special thing. This is what I put on the mantle. This is what I want to protect and care for and display because it is my pride and my joy. God has made us in Jesus Christ the holy ones, the set apart ones. There is nothing common about you. And it has nothing to do with what you are able to do. It has everything to do with who you are. We are chosen and we are holy and we are beloved. This is the definition of beloved. To have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard. It's quite astounding, isn't it? That the God of the universe and his son Jesus Christ has a sincere appreciation and high regard for you and for me. See, how can we love others with kindness and compassion and meekness? The answer is because Christ has loved me and continues to love me this way. He loves me with a compassionate heart meaning he comes alongside me in my pain and in my suffering and in my doubt and in my grief and he stays with me and he's kind to me he's useful he's not a god who is far away who gives me lip service but really doesn't enter in and affect and is a part of my world helping me in the midst of my difficulty he's humble In heart, and he's meek. He condescends to come down to us and call us his friends, and he's patient with us. He's patient with us now. When we make mistakes, when we get it wrong, when we don't care, when we don't measure up to ourselves, he loves us. See, that's how we're able to put on these qualities because we have a foundation of thanksgiving, a foundation of grace. And we need each other to remember this because we tend to forget the reality of who we are. This world wants to beat it out of us. That's why in verse 16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The scriptures are saying, let the word of Christ, which is the gospel, this truth that I am chosen and holy and beloved, let it dwell in you richly. These words that speak the truth. The scriptures tell us that God's word is living and active. That it's doing a work in my heart. But we need to let it dwell in us richly. This word dwell means to occupy a house. Right? To live in it. Let the gospel live in your hearts richly. A large amount of it. As we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and truth. See, we need... One another. If you take one log, as I said last week, from a fire and you put it out to the side, it'll burn down. But if you put these logs together, they will burn brighter. We are meant to come together to teach and admonish one another as we speak and remind one another of the grace of Jesus Christ. As we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. It's what we were just doing, right? Reminding ourselves great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, his mercies continue. And all that I need, his hand is provided. We help one another to put our eyes back on the truth of who we are. I don't know if you know the name Reginald Heber. He was consecrated Bishop of Calcutta in October 1823. He was an educated uh, cleric, a priest in England in the Anglican Church, and actually came from a wealthy family. He was an academician from Oxford. But he had great compassion and hunger that other people would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when he had the opportunity to be appointed the Bishop of Calcutta, India, one of the poorest places on planet Earth, he went. And there he worked and traveled widely to improve the spiritual and general living conditions of his flock and the people of India. Arduous duties, a hostile climate, and poor health led to his collapse and death after less than three years in India. What was it that empowered Reginald Heber to leave his life of comfort, to go and share the good news, to care for the lost and the dying. It was the foundation of thankfulness. Reginald Heber was the one who created the hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed trinity. It was Reginald Heber's connection with the reality and truth of the grace of Jesus Christ that motivated and moved his life. A foundation upon which you could stand. So what is the foundation of your life? What is the foundation upon which you stand? Is it Christ's love and perfections and beauty? Is it the fact that he calls you chosen one, holy and beloved? Is it the fact that our heavenly father looks on us with appreciation and high regard? See, we too are the chosen ones. And God calls us to acknowledge his His grace and to swim in it, to dwell in it richly. So in my private life, what is worth my time and energy? What is it that I'm dwelling on? Is it the richness of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does his love captivate my heart? Do I find myself going back to it again and again, reading his word, listening to music that speaks of the truth? What am I filling my mind with? Because whatever it is that I'm full of will navigate the course of my life. We need to let God's word dwell in us richly. And we also need one another To fan into flames this grace of God, teaching and admonishing one another, coming together to sing songs of praise as we stay firmly held, not moved from the hope held out to us in the gospel. For we have a foundation of thanksgiving, we have a community of thanksgiving, we have a foundation for thanksgiving, and finally, we have a life of thanksgiving. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you know that we breathe about 17 to 23,000 times a day? If our breath was to stop for whatever reason, it would not take long, but we would expire. No pun intended. And yet, how do we do that? How is it that we manage to continue breathing? The answer is, it's a grace of Jesus Christ. It's the gift of life. It's God who gives us life. Spiritual life and physical life. The more you spend time on this earth, the more you recognize that life is a fragile gift, right? 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. See, look at your day. All the things that we do in it, all the things that we're able to do in it, whether you turn a wrench or prepare a sermon or take care of a child, Or speak to one another. They're all gifts from Jesus Christ. See we walk out of here. And life goes on. But God's blessings abound. To his people. That all around you. All the time. Are God's little gifts. Whether it's the sun in the sky. Or the air we breathe. Or the kind word of a friend or even difficult things in our life. We know by the grace of Jesus Christ that all things are working for the good of those who love him. But we can take our eyes off this reality. We can only see gray. We can choose to only see gray and all that is wrong and all that we don't have. Or we can look and see and understand that each one of these things is God's way of saying to us, I love you. I'm in your life. I'm for you. And I have a plan for you. It is not the happy people in this world who are grateful. It is the grateful people in this world who are happy. I don't know if you remember, I've spoken of him before, one of my favorite guys, Brother Lawrence, who was a friar back in the Uh, Middle Ages, and so he was a member of a religious order, but he wasn't one of the talented guys. Couldn't speak, he couldn't pray, he was clumsy, he was a bit of an oaf, and so they put him in the kitchen, uh, much like Ignacio, one of, uh, who I actually uh, look up to from Nacho Libre. Uh, And Brother Lawrence uh, was back there tucked away, uh, fixing food all day long. But Brother Lawrence understood that this was a gift that God had given him to be able to serve the body and the church, to be able to spend time with him alone. And he decided to make his little kitchen a cathedral, a place where he could praise and thank God in the midst of all that he was doing, even as mundane as cooking breakfast. And so Brother Lawrence called himself the Lord of all pots and pans. And people would come from miles around to try to discover Brother Lawrence's secret. Brother Lawrence's secret was simply this. He acknowledged the grace of Jesus Christ in his life and all aspects of it. God is calling you and I to learn to live with a thankful heart for our sake. Maybe start to make a habit. The end of my day, I'm just gonna take out a notebook and I'm gonna write 10 things down of which I'm thankful. In which I saw God do something in my life as mundane as it was, even if it was simply breathing. As we attune our frequency to the grace of Jesus Christ, you will discover that He's around you all the time. See, because God's grace overabounds to us in every aspect of our life, let us learn to acknowledge His grace in every aspect of our lives. In this community of thanksgiving, in the foundation we have for thanksgiving, and ultimately, in a day-to-day life of thanksgiving. Let's pray. God, thank you that you manifested your love for us in this, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, that we might live through him. And you have made us members of your family, our, uh, your sons and daughters. And you long to be gracious and kind and humble and patient with us. God, let us dwell on this truth. Let us accept no other foundation. Let us stand proudly on the grace that we have in Jesus Christ, acknowledging it, and let it permeate our lives, moving our hearts to love one another and to sing praise to you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.